My Redeemer lives this morning. Can I get an amen if your Redeemer lives? Amen. Amen. We're going to read from Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 12. If you have a hardcover black Bible, there's some in the seats probably in front of you. It's going to be on page 884. Luke 24, 1 to 12. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. Let's pray. God, this morning, please help us to marvel at the resurrection of our risen Redeemer and Savior. Father, you are glorious and just, you are all-powerful, and you are also merciful and gracious. Father, please work in this service with your Holy Spirit in our hearts that we might accept this redemption from our Savior, Jesus Christ, who shed his blood to pay for our sins. Please bless as we lift up our hearts in worship and praise to you, and in the speaking of your word, God, that it would be with power and boldness and that we would accept it. Father, we crave your love and your mercy and your grace. Help us to keep you as our sovereign. Amen. Today is the Sunday of all Sundays, or these, the Lord's Day of all Lord's Days, because it is the day that we remember and celebrate and worship the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, from the dead. And I say with affirmation and with full conviction that Jesus Christ is alive today. And it would be an understatement, I think, to say that followers of Jesus Christ have a lot riding on the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This is what is at stake. If there is no resurrection from the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation of the gospel is without foundation and your faith is without foundation. In addition, we would be found to be false witnesses about God because we have testified about God that he raised Jesus Christ from the dead, who he did not raise from the dead, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead have not been raised, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith and my faith is worthless. And we are still in our sins. 
Therefore, those who have fallen asleep in Christ Jesus have also perished. If we have hope in Christ only for this life, then we should be pitied more than all men. Because then this is, and so much more is at stake when the resurrection of Jesus Christ is talked about, there are numerous pointers to it within the scriptures and outside of the scriptures. And that's in fact what we find. You can go to your Bible and you can find that the resurrection of Jesus Christ has been foretold hundreds of years and thousands of years before it actually happened. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is recorded both in the Bible and in secular literature. The resurrected Jesus was seen by over or hundreds of people over a period of 40 days. Accounts of what he did and said during those 40 days have been recorded and we can go and look those up and learn from them. Furthermore, the impact of the resurrected Jesus upon the lives of particularly his disciples was so transforming that there is nothing else that accounts for the way they were before and the way that they were after they saw the resurrected Jesus than that fact that they saw Jesus raised from the dead. And so I personally am convinced that we have in Scripture and around us all the evidence that we need to be absolutely convinced that Jesus Christ actually was raised from the dead 2,000 plus years ago. I don't want to take that confidence and conviction I have for granted that you might not yet have, but I do know that everyone here who has accepted the fact of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is saved. In other words, they are right with God, and the Bible is pretty clear that it's based on this, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's astounding. It seems way too simple. And yet what it seems to say very clearly is that there is abundant, ample evidence for which to root our faith in that Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead. That's my starting point today, though I I'm just going to go from the assumption that Jesus has been raised from the dead. Because I want to spend the rest of our time this morning talk about not talking about the historical reality in the past that Jesus has been raised from the dead, but how does that impact the present? Because one would expect that if Jesus Christ is alive today, then we should see evidence of that resurrected life right now. We should see evidence in our lives and in the lives of the world around us. If Jesus is alive now, how can we be sure? Where is he? What is he doing? And that's where we turn particularly to this, this verse that will kind of get us launched on what I want to say this morning. Acts chapter 1 and verses 9 uh, to 11. There Luke writes to some disciples of his some 40 days after his resurrection, after he'd been walking and talking with them. He says this, And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes. And they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. 
He was alive when this happened. They actually saw him taken up from before their very eyes as he had been talking with them. As they were looking upon him, Luke tells us, he was taken up into heaven. And just so we get it, five times in those few short verses, we have references to they saw, they were watching. Uh, they, will, they saw him lifted up five times. And where was he taken? Well, it's very clear. It says he was taken up into heaven. We think about heaven spatially more often than not, that heaven is a place up there. We recognize that it's hidden from our natural sight, but it is there spiritually and it is there physically just in another dimension. And there are many places in Scripture that you can read, and in fact, there would probably be the odd person now in, in our lifetime, which they have had a glimpse into heaven. God, in his mercy, for some reason that we don't always know, has sort of peeled back the veil that separates the spiritual from the physical, and they have had a glimpse of heaven. So right now, Jesus is in heaven. That's what we believe if he has been raised from the dead. But that's not the end of it. Because the writer of Luke tells us that one day he's coming back. We know he's not come back yet. So what is happening in the in-between time? Some of you may have read an article in the local paper a couple days ago about an investor down in Victoria that back in November of 2015 apparently just disappeared. Um, nobody knows where he went. Nobody knows what he did. But a few days ago, he showed up in Victoria and presented himself to the police station. I want to assure you that Jesus Christ did not simply vanish. And Jesus Christ isn't off somewhere doing something that nobody knows what he's doing one day to appear. The scripture is very clear that they saw him go. We know where he is. In a moment, I'll say this is what he is doing, and we know for certain that he's coming back. So what is he doing in the meantime? Is there any indications of that? Well, I want to look at uh, five words with us this morning that fill out word pictures that help us understand what Jesus is doing right now. In fact, they are evidence that Jesus Christ is alive now. That his resurrection isn't just a historical reality, but it is a present reality. And these five words are this, building, sitting, appearing, praying, and returning. Five words that give us a glimpse into what Jesus is doing right now. And all of them, in fact, uh, really point to his high priestly role. The first one is simply, Jesus is right now, because he has been raised from the dead, building his church. When he was on earth, Jesus spoke these words to his disciples in Matthew 16, verse 18. He said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We see this every day all around the world. The church of Jesus Christ is growing. No matter what has been thrown at it, not only does it survive, but in fact it thrives and is being built up and is being equipped. I was reading this past week of how people around the world, that, but in particular the Arabian Peninsula, West Africa, and parts of Asia, the church is just, uh, just in exponential ways growing as people come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. This is not what we would expect if Jesus was still dead. In fact, if Jesus was still dead, I would probably dare say that the vast majority of you would not be here today. There might be a few clingers on. There, there might be a few people who had a picture maybe of his grave and thought, well, you know, um, uh, you know he, we, we still want to follow him because, 
you know, uh, uh, he meant a lot and he said a lot, but, but, you know, nobody else would really join in because they said, well, you're worshiping a dead guy. But just the fact that there are 300 or so of us here this morning worshiping God, and this is happening all around the world, is evidence for me that, in fact, Jesus Christ is alive. Because he said, I will build my church. And so I believe that this is one of the strongest evidences that Jesus is still alive today. Because his eternal gospel is being proclaimed to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. I know this because around the throne there's a beautiful picture that is described of voices that are worshiping God and singing a new song to Christ. And they're saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people of, for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. I know Jesus Christ is alive today because I see evidence all around me that he is building his church. The second picture is described in the book of Hebrews. Jesus is right now sitting at the right hand of the Father in heaven. What's in a word, especially a word like sitting? It's a real common word. It's a real everyday word. But from the biblical point of view in this context, sitting is absolutely amazing. What it means for me particularly is I don't have to take out stock in a cattle yard. What it means is that we don't have in the back of our church corrals with all kinds of sheep and bulls and goats. What it means is we don't have a big altar here that's constantly burning where every time we sin or every time something goes wrong in our lives and we offend God, we have to bring a bull or a goat or a sheep or a bird and offer it on a sacrifice before God to amend or make up for our guilt and for our sin. This is what happened. The writer of Hebrews says, and every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sin, he sat down at the right hand of the Father, waiting for that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. There's an incredible contrast that's being made here be, be, between what happened before Christ died and was raised from the dead and what happened after Christ was died and raised from the dead. First, he says, before that happened, every priest stood to offer sacrifices. Why? Well, because their job was never done. And standing was an indication that their job was ever, never done. Many of you have probably seen a drawing of a, of a, of a temple um, with a sacrifice. And I have never yet seen a picture of that with a priest sitting down. The priest is always standing before the altar with his hands raised to God. Why? Because his work is never done. Because his job is never complete. Because as the Bible says, there is no earthly sacrifice, no bull or goat that can ever take away sin. And so every time I sin, I've got to go back and offer another bull or goat because that, in part, appeases my conscience and sets back the wrath of God. Day after day, they stand and present sacrifices. And they repeat them every day because they're ineffective. But Christ, it says, 
offered a single sacrifice. And the fact that we know that it was accepted is because God raised him from the dead and he is now doing what? He is sitting at the right hand of the Father. It is a beautiful picture to tell us that that means that the work of our salvation is done. There is nothing that any one of us here ever needs to do to find entrance into God's presence, to appease God, to deal with our sins, to deal with our guilty conscience. And I can tell you personally, one of the ways that I know Jesus Christ is alive today is because I have a clean conscience. Because I know my sins are forgiven. Because I don't wake up with guilt every day wondering if I've done enough to make God happy, if I've satisfied Him. I know because I've put my trust in Jesus Christ and He is sitting down beside the Father because He has finished the work of my salvation. That is a present reality that is mine and that many of you know today because Jesus Christ is alive today. To all who are uncertain about their acceptance before God, know this today, that because Jesus is right now alive in heaven above, and because he is sitting at the right hand of the Father, you too can be accepted by God. Look to Jesus now, see him now sitting beside the Father, and know there is nothing you can do, there is nothing you have to do. It has all been done by Jesus Christ. He can take away the guilt of your sin. He can deal with the shame of your sin. And he can give you peace before God. That is how I know that Jesus Christ is alive today. Because I have peace with God. And so, we know Jesus is alive today because he's building the church. We know Jesus is alive today because we can have real internal peace with God. The third one is another picture and it's from the book of Hebrews as well, well, and it says that right now, Jesus is appearing before God on our behalf again. There's a wonderful reminder that Jesus is not dead. What's he, he's appearing before God. Right now, he's not in a grave somewhere. His body hasn't decayed and it's just bones. He is right now appearing before God on our behalf. This is how the writer of Hebrews puts it. He says, For Christ has entered, not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. What's Jesus doing in heaven right now? He's appearing in the presence of God on our behalf. Sometimes the first thing that might come to our mind is, well, this is a picture of a law court, and Jesus is standing there uh, sort of um, defending us before God and, and saying, God, well, I know they've sinned, but... But, but I've taken away their sin. And, and, and that is true that God or Jesus does stand before God. But our sins have been forgiven. That's why he is sitting in the presence of God. So his appearing before God must have different implications for it. And as I thought about it, this is, seemed to what makes sense to me. He says, at this present moment, I cannot be in two places at once. I am physically here on earth. Spiritually, I can enter into the presence of God, and I do that with prayer, and I talk to God, and, and, and I commune with God. But physically, I can't appear in the presence of God, because I, I can't be in two places at once. So until I die, or until Christ returns, He now appears in the presence of God on my behalf. 
It's like my surety. It's like my guarantor. It's, it, it's so that when I come before the throne room of God and I come with my needs and I come with my cares and I need mercy and I need grace and I need forgiveness to help in the times of need, that Christ is there physically on my behalf appearing before God for me. That's an amazing uh, gift of confidence for me here on earth. I have no reason to be afraid. I have no reason to avoid God. I have no reason to run from God. I have no hesitation to come into the presence of God with my prayers and with my needs, even though I'm not there physically, I'm there spiritually, because Jesus Christ lives to appear before God on my behalf. It just gives me incredible confidence as I wrestle day to day with the stuff of my life to know that Jesus is appearing before God on my behalf. So to anyone here today who may be timid or afraid of approaching the throne of God, which in and of itself by yourself would be a terrifying thing, to know that if you have put your confidence in the living Christ, that you can have confidence as you approach God with your stuff because Christ appears physically for you in the very presence of God. So I know Jesus is alive because he's building his church. I know Jesus is alive because he's sitting beside the Father. I know that Jesus is, light, is alive because he is appearing before God and I have confidence in prayer. Fourthly, the risen Jesus is right now interceding at the right hand of the Father. I don't know if I put prayer up on the on uh, the, the, the board behind me. I guess I can know I've got interceding. We're not too familiar with interceding. We're more familiar with the word praying. There's a little bit of difference between those two, but not enough that we couldn't use the one word to substitute for the other. But I suspect that those of you who have asked people in your time of need for help, you have not gone to them and said, would you intercede for me this week? Chances are you've probably gone to them and said, would you pray for me this week? Uh, and people will generally say to us, if we've done that, then they catch up with us. They said, I was praying for you last week, not I was interceding for you. But the point is obvious of what I'm trying to say here, that we know that Jesus is alive today because he always lives. This is what the writer of Hebrews says. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for us. Jesus is alive now. And what is he doing as he's in heaven on our behalf? He's interceding for us. And he always lives to intercede for us. I don't know about you, but if you've embraced the Christian life, it's not all a cakewalk. It's not all roses. In fact, sometimes when you choose to follow Jesus Christ, your life becomes more difficult because you just enter into a battle that at one point you weren't always aware existed. It's full of trials, it's full of temptations, it's full of tests. Uh, and in, in the midst of that, the wonderful thing is that for the child of God is they can have joy and they can have peace even though they're going through all this tough stuff. But again, it can be difficult. And we've read, or you can read in the Bible, and I'll point out a couple instances of the fact that as some of Jesus' followers were facing difficult times, Jesus prayed for them. Some of you might be aware of the story of uh, Peter. Peter's a, a wonderful disciple. I, I like him. He's impulsive and 
um, says what's on his mind and often gets in trouble for it. But, but just before Jesus um, was to go to the cross, Jesus had a conversation with Peter. And this is what we have recorded. He says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. That must have been just staggering for Peter to have heard Jesus say to him, ahead of time, you're going to have a real tough go of it. In fact, Satan is going to try and sift you like wheat, put you in one of those little things and sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that you might not fail. And then a little bit later, Jesus is praying just before again he dies. And his disciples are listening to him, to, listening to him as he prays to the Father for his disciples. And he says, I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given to me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. I'm coming to you. There it is again. Jesus knows that he's going to be raised from the dead, and he's going to go to the Father. He says, I'm coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name, which you have given to me, that they may be one even as we are one. And a little bit farther again, I do not ask you that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. There it is again, Jesus praying for his disciples and those who would put their trust in him, that God would keep us from falling and from stumbling. And Jesus now carries on that ministry which he began on earth and we see demonstrated to Peter and the rest of his disciples. He carries that on in heaven. That right now Jesus is interceding for you and I. He is praying for you and I. He is praying that we would not fail. He's praying that we would not trip up. He's praying that we would preserve and persevere. He's praying that we would be kept. He's praying that we would not fall forever. Have you ever asked somebody to pray for you? It's a wonderful thing to know that you're not in something alone. But sometimes we don't have time. Sometimes the burden that we're carrying is too personal. It's too deep. It's something we don't want anybody to know. Then what do you do? Have you ever thought of asking Jesus to pray for you? Say, Jesus, I, I, I don't know who to tell. I don't know how I'm going to get through this trial. But I'm coming to you, and I know that you are live right now praying for me. Would you pray for me today? Would you pray for me this week? And you know the amazing thing about that? Jesus knows exactly how to pray. There is not one mixed-up word, one errant thought that every one of Jesus' prayers are perfect and every one of Jesus' prayers are answered. And so you say, well, Paul, how do you know Jesus is alive today? Well, I know because I'm standing here today. Because if Jesus were not praying for me, I would have bailed out, fallen out, given up, been destroyed years ago. But it's because of the living Jesus that ever lives to make intercession for me that I am standing here today. I know Jesus is alive because I have been kept by his power. So remember, we have a high priest in heaven 
who is not unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every way has been tempted as we are and is yet without sin. Do you not think that he knows how to pray for you? He lives to make intercession for you. So how do I know Jesus is alive today? Because I see all of you. The church is growing here and around the world. How do I know that Jesus Christ is alive today? Because the guilt of my sin has been dealt with. The burden of my sin, the shame that I have felt has been dealt with and I have peace with God. Oh, that doesn't mean I don't still sin and it doesn't mean that, that I don't need to go to God for forgiveness, but, but, but I am secure because I have been justified by Christ. And because he is living now and sitting at the right hand of the Father, I have peace. I know that Jesus is alive because I can confidently come into God's presence today knowing that Jesus is appearing on my behalf. And I know that Jesus Christ is alive today because I am standing here today. And then finally, the risen Jesus will return at the end of this age. The resurrection of Jesus, loved ones, is more than a historical fact of the past. The resurrection of Jesus is more than a present reality for you and I today. The resurrection of Jesus is the future hope of the church of God. Remember, as the angels spoke to these disciples as they witnessed Jesus going up into heaven, they said to them, This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come again in the same way as you saw him go up into heaven. That's their way of saying he's coming back. And the Bible helps us understand this phrase will come in the same way a little bit. It fills it out. Because Jesus Christ is going to return personally, but not privately. And Jesus Christ is going to return bodily, but not humbly. His return, the Bible tells us, is going to be visible. It's going to be glorious. It's going to be universal. The world is going to see Jesus Christ as he comes back. Not a few men on the Mount of Olives. The Bible says, as lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in his day. Behold, he is coming in the clouds. Every eye will see him. They will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with great power and glory. It's the blessed hope of the church, the appearing of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Because Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who eagerly wait for him. Jesus Christ has already appeared once. Over 2,000 years ago, as Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus Christ is right now appearing before God on our behalf. And at some day in the not-too-distant future, Jesus Christ is going to appear again to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. And I hope you know, and I hope you're part of this group of tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of followers of Jesus Christ all around this world who are eagerly awaiting the return of Jesus Christ. Why? Because he is alive. He is not dead. And they know that he is coming back to get them and to make them perfect in every way. 
Jesus Christ is not dead. He is alive because of the power of God. He is building His church around the world. He is sitting at the right hand of the Father, appearing on our behalf. He is praying for us because we are not yet in heaven. And He will return to save those who are eagerly waiting for Him. Well, if you are among those who have trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want you to hear today that your faith is not in vain. If you're among those who have been risen with Jesus Christ and have put your faith in Jesus Christ, I want you to know that Jesus Christ right now is living and acting and serving on your behalf. And I want you to know if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today and have not put your confidence in the risen Lord to seek God and say, God, would you show this to me? Would you help me understand it? And I can say with confidence then that if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and if you will believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Father, we come before you today. And we're thankful for uh, this great day which really draws our focus and attention to the foundation of our faith, the root of our faith, the core of our faith, the cornerstone of our faith. And that is that Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead and that Jesus Christ is right now in heaven above and that Jesus Christ will one day return to earth for all those who are eagerly waiting for us. What an amazing truth it is to continue to grapple with. Be present with your people through your Holy Spirit, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.